Support for Radioactive's Punk Rock Farmer comes from Go Biochar. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, and on Fridays, punk rock farmers. I'm Laura Jones. This is Al the Punk Rock Farmer. It's really great to be here. It's, uh, it's big harvest season. The fair is going on. There's a lot going on. And how many pounds of tomatoes now out of your yard? Um, Over 100. <laughs> <laughs> Over a hundred. Who'd have thought? First time I saw you on stage was it the main for life? I'm kind of trying to remember, and now it's Tomato Land. I love it. <laughs> so uh, your backyard garden tour continues. Who are you talking to? So this week I I went and I talked to Tony uh, Peters from Solstice Spices, and uh, there's some stuff going on with the land there. A little bit uh, the farm link. Um, program is kind of going away and there's some tax stuff coming on and we actually got to talk a little bit I got to talk a little bit with the landowner there too Bonnie she showed up at the uh, end of my interview so we got her too and where is there so I'm not gonna say exactly (laughs) where it is because it's a three and a half acre plot in salt in south salt lake and it's behind a 7-Eleven, and from 7th East, you would not know it's there. Uh, no one, it's it's hidden, yep. and I kind of want to keep it that way. All right, so we're going to keep that hidden, but Al's Urban Farm Report and his Backyard Garden Tour uh, continues this hour, but you also have some other folks coming up on the show, right? Yeah, Nick Focos here uh, from the Italian-American Civic League, and this year, they've decided to do Festa again and took a year off, and it's really exciting. It's a huge Italian festival. I think it might be one of the bigger mm-hmm. ethnic festivals in town. I don't know. The Greek Fest, it's the biggest one in the country. It's it, this weekend. I think it puts a run for the Greek <laughs> Fest money. I do. Wait a minute. <laughs> Didn't we do an entire show where you and John Saltis talked about the fact that Italians and Greeks, what was the phrase? I'm trying to even remember it's it. It's Greco-Roman, I believe, oh, is what it is. You're talking <laughs> about the, the, the same face and the mother. So anyway. Oh, the faccia. The faccia. Here we go. <laughs> Veg Fest is coming up. A whole bunch of cultural festivals going on, and we'll do an update in rallies and resources. But let's start where we always start, which is with live music. And our special guest tonight is a woman who's going to open for St. Vincent's next weekend at Twilight Owl. It's Jocelyn Paulette, and you've been with us before, dear, and it's been a while since we've seen you. It's great you're here. Yeah, thank you so much for having having me. It has been a couple years since I was on last. So you have a new album out. We're going to hear a couple of cuts throughout the show. And in fact, this first one was also an opportunity to work with the, the folks over at Nurture the Creative Mind in Ogden, Amir Jackson and his, his students, and you did a video for this first song, Fodder. Tell us about that project. Yes, that project was so fun. I just spent so much time being wildly impressed by these teenagers for their professionalism and their creativity. Really, they they let me pick which song I wanted them to do a video for, and I did that. And then they came back to me with all of these incredible ideas and talking about what the storyline should be and all of the costume changes and all of the feelings it should represent. And I was blown away by it. I, I truly felt like they they nailed what I was trying to convey in the song, but in this new format. And it was just an incredible time. I'm, I'm amazed by those kids. So this song that we're going to play is part of the new album that you're putting out. Tell us the name and a little bit about it. 
Yeah, so it's it's kind of tricky to still be calling it a new album because I did actually release it uh, the week the world basically shut down last <laughs> year. Uh, it came out in March of 2020, and I've kind of just been sitting on it at home since then. So now I'm actually getting to play some shows, and I'm still calling it new. Uh, it's called No Woman is the Sea. Um, it was recorded up in Ogden uh, with a really great group of friends and musicians, and I just couldn't be more proud of it. I'm excited to be to be sharing it with people, especially live. Okay, this is Fodder with Jocelyn Paulette, fresh and homegrown, right here on KRCL 90.9 FM. This is Laura Jones from Radioactive inviting you to join me and upcycle some funky cassettes at Clever Octopus Saturday, September 25th from 1 to 3 p.m. Make one for you and one for KRCL during this Crafternoon workshop. Learn more and register today at cleveroctopus.org. Cultures One Sky, Skywatcher Leo T here, doing a little space exploration of our own, looking up and entering the evening sky to start a new lunation. The thin moon hangs upper right of Mercury, then upper right of Venus, low in the west-southwestern twilight. You may mistake Venus for an incoming jet. Little blue sublime Spica hangs between the crescent moon and Venus. The moon and Venus will point the way to Spica, but if you follow the map you can see the pale twinkling blue dot in the southwest above the horizon. In reality, though, Little Spike is nearly 1,000 times larger than Venus in physical diameter, and with its blinding blue-white temperature, it emits 5 trillion times more light than the sunlight that Venus reflects. 
At a distance of 260 light years away, space is big. Before the moonlight returns to the evening sky in a big way next week, get up into the mountains or out in the desert or a lake in Wyoming and trace out the Milky Way, arching from southwest horizon to zenith to northeast horizon. Enjoy the journey and then look overhead again for Cygnus the Swan. High overhead, the big stars like Deneb on the left side of the swan make it easy to find. It's in the shape of the Summer Cross. Cygnus Swan sports the sublime crystalline Cygnus Star Cloud, one of the Milky Way's richest areas to explore in depth with your bare naked eyes, binoculars, or a 100-inch Dobsonian telescope you might have in your back pocket. On Skywatcher Leo T, it's many cultures, one sky, as we look at the swan from a painting from the ethereal Susan Saden Boulay and animal spirit cards from Pomegranate Communication. This painting of Susan Belay's of a swan maiden represents a common motif found in the mythologies and folktales of many cultures around the globe, from Native American to Slavic. Although the story varies from place to place, the basic plot is the same. A young man finds a feathered robe or skin of a swan maiden, a goddess-like creature which she has temporarily shed to assume human form. Although the youth attempts to hide the feathers from the maiden, which would allow him to possess her, the swan finds its feathers, assumes its animal form, and leaves the youth to ponder. The lost swan thus symbolizes the departure of youthful innocence and passage to maturity. In Greek mythology, the swan song is the beautiful song sung by the swan just before death. So celebrate the beautiful swan alive on earth and in the sky as we look up, look around, and as we do that, let's uh, take a look back at Michael Collins and John Young, Gemini 10, launched July 18, 1966. In his book, Carrying the Fire, Michael Collins translates the amazing feeling of being in space and the interesting communication with mission control. This is one of the busiest flights of the entire space program, with a double rendezvous, the first. Two spacewalks by Collins and uh, they had a little bit of fun. Way to go, NASA. So keep looking up. Look around, get a little bit lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. Thank you, Skywatcher Leo T. Many cultures, one sky with our volunteer skyologist is what I sometimes call him. <laughs> Check tonight's show notes for a link and uh, connect with Leo on his Facebook page. Al, it's uh, Punk Rock Farmer Friday, as you well know, because you're the punk rock farmer. But uh, little rallies and resources here to remind folks of all the great festivals this weekend, right? So you got the Greek Fest this weekend. We talked about that earlier on the show. We're going to talk with Nick Fuoco in a minute about Festa Italiana. There's some other stuff going on. The Healing Field, a 9-11 20th anniversary and remembrance, is underway at uh, Sandy City Hall. There's a flag display. There'll be all sorts of events on the 11th. The state fair is going on. Okay, got to stop for a second. <laughs> I saw a photo on Facebook of you and Mary, Mary Beth Jenerick from Wasatch Community Gardens. You have some gigantic veg that's going into the fair. So just, just the day before yesterday, we found out, we got a straight answer from someone at, on the fair committee that they were actually doing the agriculture judging. And we didn't know until the day before yesterday. And yesterday was the day to bring stuff down there. You got in? Just and in. so we we didn't get in barely. We were the first <laughs> ones there. There was like two or three things out on the tables in the big hall there. 
And uh, Mar- Mary Beth and I, we got to meet the new director. His name's Lyndon. And uh, Bart, the tomato guy, he's not there anymore. He he retired. Uh, the king of the king, of, the tomato yeah. king, Bart. And uh, now it's a new guy, Lyndon. And he seems really great. And uh, he was kind of blown away by our enthusiasm <laughs> and how nerdy we are about the fair. <laughs> You've ribboned before. so We've ribboned before, both of us, and even gotten some blues. And that's pretty darn cool. This year, I harvested all my tomatoes a couple of days before, and I had so many huge ones. But I processed them all because I wasn't sure if there was going to be any competition. So, But I did have a very large, really nice-shaped, perfect-shaped uh, Armenian cucumber. It probably weighs 15 pounds. And uh, a lady brought in some crooked craggly ones while we were there and put them on the table but they're not as fat as mine and mine is straight and beautiful so we'll see we'll see it could be a blue ribbon and Mary Beth had one of her ginormous tomatoes she had a two pound tomato it's a pink jazz was the name of it and it's an heirloom there was a lot of big tomatoes this year. I had a two-pound Aunt Ruby's Green. I had a two-pound Enormous Plum. I had I had a hundred pounds of tomatoes, and I bet you that uh, I'm I'm sure the average weight was about a pound for wow. each tomato. Wow. That's it was a crazy. Huge season for you, and so folks, if you go to the fair, which is going on now through the 19th at the Utah State Fair Park, go and find. The uh, the building that has the, the agri- veg. The, the agriculture ag- building. There you go. Yep. And by the way, it is the 100th anniversary of the Utah Department of Agriculture and Food, and they're going to have an interactive butter-making exhibit at the Utah State Fair. So folks can learn more about the, the farm-to-fork process and what UDAF does and that. I remember the cow sculpting butter thing that they did a while back. <laughs> I do, so too. They do amazing <laughs> things with butter at the fair. I wonder if they're going to deep-fry it, you know? That's like the classic Midwestern deep-fried butter or Twinkies. Uh-huh. I'd probably go uh-huh. for that. But anyway, well, let's, talk, let's keep talking some more veg because we have now joining us from VegFest, uh, we have with us Amy Meyer. Hi, how you doing, Amy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having us on. Do you like us geeking out over vegetables? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm especially impressed by all these tomatoes. Now I'm really jealous we don't have like a giant tomato sculpture <laughs> or something at VegFest. It'd be a great entrance, just tomatoes. <laughs> tomatoes everywhere. <laughs> tell folks, Amy, tell folks a little bit about what they can expect at VegFest. Yeah, so SLC VegFest is put on by Utah Animal Rights Coalition. This is our fifth year doing it. Um, and VegFest is really, it's a free for the community festival. And it's really all about celebrating veganism and plant-based eating. And we have dozens of local vendors who are there selling different kinds of vegan food items and other fun things that you can buy to try out. Um, You know, it's a really a great event if you're interested in uh, veganism or learning more about veganism and kind of the reasons why people are going vegan in our community, Um, and then be able to really try it out. We'll have some cooking demonstrations and live music and a beer garden, lots of fun stuff going on. um, And it's all free. Library Square, Salt Lake City, it's it's this Saturday. Yes, it's tomorrow. So it goes from noon to eight there at Salt Lake Maine's Library Square. And um, yeah, it's no ticket required. Just uh, come hungry. There's lots of good businesses to support. Um, and there'll be a whole kids area. We've we've adjusted our um, our normal things for to be more COVID-19 
safe. We, um, we won't be having any indoor uh, activities this year. It's all outdoors and, you know, plenty of space. So, you know, we we're really committed to keeping this a safe environment, but really want to be able to bring the community together again and support each other um, and support our businesses who've had a rough, you know, year and a half. So where is the website or social where people can get more details, Amy? Yeah, so you can um, learn more about the fest, see the lineup of live music and our vendors at slcveg.com. And then I would recommend checking out Utah Animal Rights on Instagram or Facebook. You can get kind of a preview of some of the food you'll see. You'll see um, some of that kind of fairish food that you've been talking about, Laura. We're going to have deep fried (laughs) mac and cheese balls. Good. A vegan version. My cholesterol of already is rising. Yeah, there's no cholesterol though because it's vegan, so it's oh cholesterol free. Yes, well, yes. I'm not saying fried. it's not healthy, but you know, not cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be delicious. It'll be a great cheat day, um, and you'll also be able to come to a lot of local nonprofits. Um, you know, UARC will be there. We actually have an action alert for people who are willing to help us end the last gas chamber being used in an animal shelter here in our state. Um, This is on the heels of a victory. We just got one of the last two to stop using a gas chamber for killing homeless dogs and cats. And there's just one more. So this is a way the public can come use your voice. We're going to have postcards you can send. Um, And there's a lot of other great nonprofits who do great work. Food Justice Coalition will be there telling you about their great work to um, feeding the houseless community here, healthy vegan meals. Um, The Humane Society will be there. You can get involved in fostering and adopting animals. So yeah, lots to learn and get involved and, and really just to have a good time. The The beer garden is even going to have a really special imported German beer in celebration of Oktoberfest. So yeah, we're we're really excited for this year's event. Well, have a, a great veg fest tomorrow, Amy, okay? Awesome. Thanks. We hope to see everyone there. Okay, Laura, I know you did a big thing on Greek Fest, but we're going to talk about Italian Fest now. Nick Focos with us from the Italian American Civic League. And Nick, uh, very exciting Festa is on this year, and that little break last year because of COVID, but uh, yeah, up and raring to go again. I'm sure. Absolutely, we're ready to rock and roll. It was a uh, it was a year off that you know, kind of the whole world stopped for all of these events, and uh, and it was unfortunate, but uh, we're back and ready to go, and uh, hopefully, going to have a great time uh, welcoming everybody. So it's great being with the resident KRCL Italian today. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, Italian American. Uh, Civic League. Give a little history on the league. Yeah, so Italian American Civic League uh, started in 1934. It was an organization created to help Italian immigrants when they came into the the country. And one of our missions was to promote promote and preserve Italian culture, and also to give an avenue for Italians to give back to the community. Um, this community gave a lot to to the immigrants and. And, you know, brought them jobs, better livelihoods, the ability to support their families. And and our organization was created, one of the oldest organizations in Utah, but was created to basically give us a an avenue to create a, a way for them to give back to the community and promote the culture. So FESTA allows us to do both of those things, which is amazing. So are you still in charge over there? Are you still the president? I'm not the president. No, we uh, we 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 we've we've passed that around with a few people, which is which is really good. We have a great uh, crop of officers and uh, completely volunteer ran. Nobody gets anything from this, so it's uh, it's it's pretty neat because we're all just committed to the mission. So this event is takes place at the Gateway, uh, correct? Correct. Yep. It's Gateway next Saturday, Sunday, the 18th and 19th. Yep. So it's a it's a big space, a big event. 
what are you doing to fill that whole space? What do you got going on? Absolutely. So uh, we're going to have lots of food vendors. We have 12 plus Italian food vendors, all local community vendors. We don't let anyone come in from the outside. It's really important to us that we support local and uh, they'll be there serving all the different food. You can go try a bunch of different things. You just pay them for, you know, whatever their prices are. We're also going to have arts and crafts vendors. Once again, all local um, Italian artisans, you know, whether it's leather goods to blown glass to, you know, uh, ceramic, all, all those things, uh, you know, Italian influence and Italian uh, vendors. And then and then obviously kind of the, the thing that steals the cake, but besides the food is, is the music. Uh, we have uh, music from all over the country coming in. Um, we really pride ourselves on having an authentic, exciting get up and dance experience to, to really hear that. And that's going to be going all day. We have no breaks in the music uh, Saturday and Sunday. So we just go right from one to the next. So a large, large stage in the center of everything. Yep. Down by the fountain is where the music is. Um, lots of space uh, to sit and, and hang out. We're spacing everything out this year. It's all outside, uh, obviously being real cognizant of, of COVID still going on in the community. But but the fact that we can get back together is really important to just keep things going in, in our community and, and, and to showcase the culture. So exciting. I'm really happy that it's happening again this year. And, uh, you know, g- Call folk, calling on folks to go down there, enjoy some great food, amazing food, and some great music. Absolutely. Yeah, we're excited for it. And uh, thank you all. We do have a couple new events this year with it, but we're doing a bike race, uh, just a fun Fun, uh, fun ride is what we're calling it, a vintage ride. And that's going to be kicking off in the morning. And then you can go right from that to come into Festa and, you know, come uh, come eat some of those calories you just burned off. Uh, and we also have the eating contest, which are going to be going on, uh, pizza eating and pasta eating over the weekend. So lots of fun things to, to do after burning those calories. We can help with that. Yeah, we can totally help with that. Plus, you know, Alan is abruzzese tomatoes. It's all about the sauce. I'm telling you. You got Veg Fest and Greek Fest this weekend, and then you've got the Festa Italiana next weekend. Folks, we're taking care of you with all this great stuff in our community. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Grazie. Time for some more fresh and homegrown music from our featured Utah artist today, and that's Josalie Paulette. Al, she's going to open for St. Vincent next weekend, and I guess that's my question before we hear this song, Crying Wolf, and find out a bit about that song before we play it, is how do you prepare to open for St. Vincent? (laughs) Josalie, that's got to be a lot of pressure. Oh my gosh. It's been, it's been several months. Uh, the, the team reached out to me if I wanted to be considered as a local opener for her back at maybe the beginning of May or mid-May. So it's been several months of getting to know if I was actually going to do it. And then a couple months of just sweating at home. And uh, <laughs> that's kind of the stage I'm at right now is just the practicing every day and panicking and trying to take really good care of my health and my voice because it, it would be just my luck if some, something happened, you know, before. But mostly it's just a lot of nerves, but so much excitement. She's she's one of my favorites. And I'm just incredibly honored to be a part of that show. So uh, tell us a little bit about the next song we'll play. It's called Crying Wolf. Yeah, 
Crying Wolf is uh, one of my favorites from the new record. Uh, it, it really just kind of embodies the, the new sound for me. This record is very different. I used to be very much an acoustic guitar, folky uh, singer-songwriter kind of musician. And then I got an electric guitar and, and started collaborating with some friends that knew what they were doing. And Crying, Ro Crying Wolf was kind of the first song that took what I used to make music as of just like very soft, quiet, you know, all lyric focus and changed it into, hey, let's put some cool big guitar riffs in here and make it really fun and exciting. And I uh, I really am excited about this song. I think it really conveys a very specific time in my life, but in a really fun way that you can even almost dance to. So I'm excited about it. <laughs> Sounds great. This is Crying Wolf, Josalie Paulette, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM. Back to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9. I'm Laura Jones. It's time for the Urban Farm Report with Al Dynstrick 9, KRCL's punk rock farmer. And if you haven't seen him rendered in veg, pick up slug for September. You been, been getting some feedback from folks on that? Some great feedback. What a cool opportunity that was. And, and you know, those guys dreamed that up, that cover with... A uh, portrait of me made out of vegetables, and it was, you know, at first you hear that and you're like, yeah, okay, but boy, oh boy, when we saw it, 
It really, and it was a really fun project to work on with Jesse Draper, the artist. He's great. All right, it's time for your Urban Farm Report, and we've been doing your Urban Garden Tour. So who are you going to talk about? Get a, Who are you going to talk with? Get us into this next conversation. So in South Salt Lake, behind a 7-Eleven, where no one can see from the street, there's three and a half acres, almost four acres. Um, there's artesian wells. There's... Uh, there's two huge hoop houses, I mean 70 by 30 wide and 12 feet tall, two right next to each other. And then there's a full acre outside of that. This is where Solstice Spices is, is growing all the ingredients for their spices and their spice product line that they do, but also all kinds of stuff they bring to the farmer's market. So I talked with Tony Peters, and I even got to talk to the landowner a little bit, uh, Bonnie Calvin, and uh, they're they're doing great there. They've been there for six years, but there's there's an easement that may be going away, and the taxes may be going up, and so we want to call on folks to do what they can. We'll have a link to change.org in our show notes, and uh, we're going to urge folks to get on there and sign this petition for Crest Farms. Here's our conversation with Tony Peters and Bonnie Calvin. This is Al, the Punk Rock Farmer. I'm on location again, and um, I'm behind a 7-Eleven in South Salt Lake. I'm not going to give this location away all the way, but this is where Solstice Spices grows all their stuff, and Tony Peters is here with me, and Heather's on her way. Tony, let's just tell people how big this place is, this plot is, and what's going on here, because, I mean, we're on the radio, so let's let's explain what's going on with the hoop houses and stuff. All right, well, the whole property is about three and a half acres, and I lease a little over two of that from the landowner. And we have two large high tunnels. Large. 72 by 30. And then some more fields and some more fields and some more stuff beyond that. So you're, you're planting second crop stuff now. You're planting lettuce, it looks like, and, and stuff. Yep, this was all... Uh, this is in one of the tunnels, snap everybody. peas in the spring. Uh-huh. And they came out around June, uh-huh. tilled them all in. And now I have some parsley, some dill. That'll be going to spices. Basil, uh-huh. second crop. Radishes, lettuce, 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 and a row of cabbage down here. So these second crop basils, well, they they'll come to fruition. You're gonna you're gonna save heat in these things, and they're gonna grow all the way. They're not gonna make it past the frost. Uh huh. But I'm gonna get. I'm definitely gonna harvest some. And this is a big space, boy. This is what did you say? Seventy-two, 72 by, by thirty. And there's two of them here. Yeah. And so in the one we're traveling over towards here on the right. You have your your summer stuff growing, your yep. eggplants yeah, uh, and your and your and your tomatoes and stuff. First row of tomatoes, so they can uh, get them in the ground a little bit earlier, because of the high tunnel. Right. If you get jump it just right, you can get that first tomatoes coming in instead of July instead of August. Look at these eggplant plants! Holy mm. moly! They're ridiculous. <laughs> Never seen so many eggplant. They're actually starting to slow down, but there was a point when there was like. 1520 on each plant on each plant I I've been 80 pounds from market last week <laughs> <laughs> oh man and tomatoes what kind are you focusing on what kind are you growing your uh, all heirlooms pink German dr. Vikes black pineapple uh, Hawaiian pineapple uh-huh are the my main four that I grow every year that I'm seem to do best here in my environment and here's your first crop of basil here yeah part of it 
monster leaves. Really beautiful looking. Really nice. Lots of bugs, but you know. Peppers too. You got to, these. Look like some hot ones. Yeah, habaneros. <laughs> these will all go in the dryer for spices. Uh huh. So you do you have a dryer right here? You have, I have sol the, the little solar, solar, the big solar that I built. Right. That was a slow slow foods uh, grant that we got a few years back. So not only do you guys sell at markets, you guys are a spice company, and That's, you guys. You guys sell like signature spices, not just like basil or rosemary or this or that. Tell about the flavors a little bit and where right. they came from. So we have about eight or nine different blends. They're mostly like garlic salt based for the most part. There's a few others. And it's uh, basically farm to jar spices is what we call them because we grow all the herbs, almost all the chilies, California sea salt and garlic and local onions. Is basically the main ingredients and i mean there's some spicy ones there's my best friend mary my bbf mary that's kind of like a bloody mary spice it's celery-ish yeah. there's a mountain man one there's a chipotle one i know there's a there's like you said there's like 12 and they're all just really really good and different they're not just one spice like i said or it's a total blend and they're 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 pretty artisan i think yeah they're fairly unique flavors one's dill one's celery one's garlic mountain man is extremely spicy mm -hmm. and that's a salt free one right and then we do smoke our own paprika and chipotle and those go into the bayou blend and that's about it so cooking history is that why up. you is that where the spice part of it came from i think so the, we started making spices just because we were selling the herbs at the market uh -huh. and everything we didn't sell would come home dehydrate and make christmas presents uh -huh. people uh -huh. liked them uh -huh. so we got serious about it and that was probably eight years ago now so now we're away from the high tunnels and there's a big field here it's a, probably an acre at least, this, mm -hmm. this outside field right here where everything's, more stuff is growing. What's growing in these rows? So here we have cucumbers. I only grow Armenians because I don't really have much luck with other cucumbers. I don't either, and I love Armenians, and I just put took one to the fair that probably weighed <laughs> about 15 pounds. I hope I win some. There's probably some of those in there. <laughs> and this area behind that was where garlic was. And we'll go back again? Yeah, we'll rotate it slightly, but uh -huh, yeah. Uh -huh. And there was beets, and there was some other spring stuff How back there. How much garlic did you plant? Because I know you use a lot in the spices. I planted about 4,000. <laughs> And a lot of that actually goes back into seed. Uh -huh. So this actual variety that we're growing is a uh, Italian Roja, and it's uh, I think I've been growing it for 10 years now. And you'll be planting your seed again here yeah. in, in a couple months. So all the big ones, the trophies, we don't get to eat. Those get back into the ground. We right. eat the little crappy uglies. Right, right. It's kind of like the tomatoes. All the nice ones go to market, and we eat the uglies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then we have tomatoes. And seconds, they still taste as good, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll take seconds anytime. Most Somebody says, I can't sell this. Okay, give it to me. I'll take it. I'll eat it. Most of the stuff I do is make salsa and marinara for the freezer for the winter. I see peppers out there. Really nice. Is it, are, They're not arbols. They're not stick. Are they sticking no, straight up? No, I have some Thai chilies, and then this is an Asian long sort of like a cayenne style pepper or a uh -huh. kung pao uh-huh which is a spicy little guy so you got peppers out here peppers more eggplant i see more eggplant this is all tomatoes 
All cherries and little small ones? Yeah, there's only a few cherries. A few, okay. A few tomatillos, okay. mostly heirlooms, and then there's four rows of San Marzano's. So not worrying too much about trellising these ones, obviously, right? Yeah, just kind, kind of, of a pain in the butt. And a big space like this is really hard, right? Yeah, it's just money. It comes down to finances. And, and materials my, and crap, yeah, right? It's not my land, so it's hard to put a lot of money in infrastructure. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But... We're standing in the middle of this lot, and it's big. It's like you said, three and a half acres. There's water that comes in here also. There's a little pond. There used to be a little pond over here, right? Yeah, we have artesian wells, about six or eight of them on the property. So water is as much as I want, basically. So that's good. And uh, how long have you been here? Uh, this would be our sixth year, I believe, Six. and the fourth year on the high tunnels. Uh-huh. And we're coming up over by the solar, the solar dryer that you built. Yeah. And I remember it used to be over there a little bit more. Was, you you yeah. moved it a little bit. Yeah, a little bit better location over here, I think. What's an explanation on this thing for folks so that they can kind of dial in on it? Well, it's kind of like, a, it looks like a big outhouse. <laughs> kind of. And then it has this solar collector on the front, which is faces the sun, picks up heat, drives it into the box. So the the heat's rising up heat this up, up this angle and up into yeah. the top. And then this is sort of a false chimney. So the only way out is for the air to come down and up and, through here. And then go back out. Yeah, and there's so a that's fan that also helps a little out. bit of circulation. And just got emptied out the other day. I need to fill it back up. Smells good. Yeah, I mean you can see right now it's 120 in there easily. Uh huh. And really super dry heat, obviously yeah, too. Yeah, kind of like a little sauna. Mm hmm. Really cool. You're doing it right here. Do you still have the other place, uh, the other uh, facility where you go and, and make the spices and stuff? Yep, yep. We have a spot in West Valley where we make the spices, and it also doubles as a grower room. So all my starts start in there underneath the lights. Bees. I see bees over here. Yep. Those are not ours, but they definitely help pollinate our plants. Well, obviously, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of really copacetic things going on here. There's water a lot there's bees there's a lot of space and your high tunnels are amazing how, how how did those come to fruition how did you get those built those were also a grant from the nrcs which is national resource something commission is it uh, nrcs which is a federal program it is it is and it's a great one I don't know if they're doing it as much anymore. Uh -huh. I think they kind of tightened up their budget a little bit, but we were got in at the right time and we put in for a grant. Paperwork went through. It was years while we were waiting, maybe two years, going on three years. Finally went through and then they called us up and said, oh, it looks like we filed it twice. You want another one? <laughs> Seriously, so you got this, and they're huge. I mean, I, I don't see too many this size anywhere I've been really across town. Not this size. Yeah, they're pretty big. And 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 tell tell folks a little bit about the benefits. I know you touched on it that you get to start a little early and you get to go a little later. Um, what about in the in the middle of winter? Is there anything you can do at all? Yep, those lettuces that I'm planting right now will be eaten for Christmas. Really? Yep, Thanksgiving, Christmas, we'll have lots of fresh greens. And these aren't heated at all either, right? Nope. 
they actually let us made it through uh, single digits. Went down to four degrees, I think, two years ago. Wow, really? They were a little frosty on the ends, but they survived. I know cilantro's a really good one, and spinach is a pretty hearty one oh, yeah. for that kind of stuff. Carrots and beets would live all winter long. Uh huh. And, and then, and then, I mean, there's a place when there's no light, but then they start back up again when the light comes. Yeah, it's around mid-November. They'll actually stop growing for a little while. Days of Persephone is what it's called. It's a well, that's what I think um, Pollen or one of those guys called it. It's where the light gets below 10 hours a day. Yeah, they kind of just go dormant. They don't die, but they stop growing for a minute. And then right. as soon as whatever, January 20th It's, or it's around hits, the end of January, right? They'll start going again. Awesome. And depending on the plant, some will bounce right back. Some will start trying to make flowers or seeds and... But either way, if you're just eating out of their forage in there, you can always find some good stuff. So you, you've been at this a while. Where, do you, where did you feed people? You guys go not only the spice business, but you guys are at the Murray Farmer's Market. Yep. Um, and I know you guys really like that one, too. And you gravitate towards it for some reason. Let's know why. The main reason is because of the locations right by our house. Right. And uh, when we started, we would just shop there. And we were always growing stuff in our backyard. We always grew lots of herbs, fresh basil and whatnot. And Heather noticed that there was nobody selling anything like that. At the market yeah. over there. So she signed up and just brought 10 different kinds of fresh cut herbs at the beginning, you know. And people thought we were crazy and this and that. But it was all right. She'd come home with a couple bucks, you know, and give her something to do. She really likes the environment and talking to all the people and just being part of the scene. And, and it's it's kind of more it's kind of more of a like a down home kind of market or a neighborhood market than the than the downtown farmers market where it's a mass of people. Mm -hmm. I think the I think the farmers that are there I think the prices are a little you know a little lower a little better. Um, I think it's more of a more of a neighborhood feel to that market. Yeah, it's kind of like the the, uh, the old boys, the farmers. You know, you get your onions and your potatoes and stuff like that. It is starting to get a little more eclectic as more people are getting into the urban farming thing. We have a few new people this year, which is nice to see. And you can get sprouts now. You can get different kinds of prepared foods. But for the most part, it's a farm bureau market. So you have to grow what you sell is uh -huh. one of the rules. Uh -huh. No reselling. And we like that part about it because you never know when you see people pulling up at the farmer's market with all kinds of crazy stuff that obviously they did not grow. You know, I hear stories about that and I've seen it firsthand now and I've seen it through the years and I know I know that's a thing. I know it's a thing. Uh, people are buying from somebody else and selling it like maybe it's theirs or maybe it grew here, but maybe it traveled on a truck. And yeah, maybe it's from Mexico. Right, California. right, right. And so the importance of eating this food that comes right here from where we live locally uh, let's talk about a, a little bit about that. I mean, I know carbon footprint is a big thing about it, but uh, just the way things are picked ripe and eaten ripe, I think, is a big thing. Yeah, definitely the quality of the produce is going to be better when it's hand-picked and brought to market the next day than something that's picked a month prior in cold storage and shipped and shipped and shipped again. Like you said, the footprint is the big thing, too, because, uh, I mean, we're driving a mile... I'm here on Saturday morning at 8 in the morning driving straight to the market and this stuff is on the vine 10 minutes ago. Right. And perfectly right. I mean, it, there's no difference between... You can't, uh, you can't even compare. When you, you go to the supermarket and you buy one of those really hard tomatoes that's kind of pink 
it's because it never got ripe on the vine (laughs) and it's never really going to get ripe the exact way it's supposed to no i can't do it i usually go all winter without eating tomatoes or summer squash just because summer squash i mean it's so much of it so prolific in the summertime right that i just can't get myself to buy it no and tomatoes i freeze a ton of tomato products so i always have something on hand after skiing some garden fresh salsa or some fresh marinara definitely i just put up a bunch i i plan to put up about 30 gallon bags of and i've i'm about a third of the way there with my first big push i had about 36 pounds of sauce tomatoes that i that came in a little late i'm a little late but you know what i really it doesn't bother me too much if you just Good things come to those who wait. If you just take a deep breath and wait for it, it came. And, it, and I got a great harvest just this weekend, which a lot of people start harvesting in July, tomatoes. And I get a little jealous, maybe. I kind of waited a little bit longer, but I still got the big, massive harvest. And I have another one coming. There's, a, there's, there's fruit still forming, you know. And I'm sure there's a lot of food still forming here in this, in this space, too. Oh, yeah, there's going to be tomatoes for at least another month. The way we usually do it, too, is we bring all the stuff to market, and then whatever comes home, we'll end up processing. So on Sundays, I'll do salsa one week, marinara the next week, uh-huh. salsa the next week, marinara the next week, until the freezer's full, and then we're good. This is a, you're talking height of summer, uh, when you're, when the harvest is big all uh, every week. Yeah, we're kind of right there right now. Last week was probably our busiest day at market yet this year. And we're planning on having a good September and even early October, barring any early uh, frosts. Should be good for another at least four or five weeks. So all this great stuff we're talking about, all this really great stuff. This is an amazing spot. You would never know that it's here. People drive on 7th zoom, zoom, zoom by here. And I bet you, I bet you maybe... 5% of the people know that this place is actually here. It's right in the middle of the city. It's almost four acres. You guys are growing all kinds of food here. There's, there's a, there's kind of a bad thing in the air right now. And, and, uh, there, the taxes may go up. There's a, it was supposed to be preserved under, what is it called? It came from the green belt. Right. Originally. Right. And then the state, or the Salt Lake County adopted another program called FarmLink. FarmLink, that's one I was thinking of. Trying so they to were trying of. to get people with land and water hooked up with farmers that could grow organic produce, and then they would get a tax break on a percent of their land. So there would be a tax break. So these folks that have the house here were enjoying that, and now there's a, they've opened it, opened up the guidelines a little bit. Is that what it is? Right. So the state changed some of the rules. It used to be uh, three acres or more. They changed it to one acre, and now they're going to allow for grazing, which means people with horses potentially could get a tax break. And uh, the county assessor basically said that opens it up for about 9,000 more properties to be eligible for the tax break, and that would be too much of a burden on him. So they were going to opt out of the program completely. So that protection will go away if it, it's in, in a sense? Yep, for Salt Lake County. So they're gonna change the guidelines for the state and the county couldn't afford to stay involved, so they're gonna back out. And so 
obviously we're going to call folks to action. We're going to try to rally folks. Um, what do we need? What, what can we do to at least get the word out there and tell listeners, um, you know, to, to sign the petition, do whatever they need to do, uh, speak up about this. Where can they, where can they do some, um, work on their own about this? Well, there is an online petition at change.org. It's called, uh, save crest farms, like watercress, C-R-E-S-S. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, or also on Facebook on our page solstice spices uh-huh this used to be a working farm so it has history as a farm too do, yeah. do you know any uh, more about it than that a little bit the private landowner that lives here now her grandfather had a working farm here animals produce all kinds of stuff back in well i don't even know what year to be honest with you but it was an actual farm and they grew a lot of watercress too that's how they got the name crest farm because it's right on mill creek uh-huh giving away the location now i know huh <laughs> and if you go like down to uh, the park on fifth over here uh-huh. you can see there's wild watercress growing everywhere probably came from this farm i right? probably went downstream yeah. and and seeded the banks down that way absolutely so that's so that's a, a big history for this property and you guys you guys have perpetuated it yeah keeping it going trying to and and so is what what can happen what could happen worst case scenario worst case scenario right now is she would lose her tax status on the land which would cost her some amount of money more than she pays now and that could potentially cost us or someone would have to make up the difference basically and 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 but you don't see it going away she wants to keep it the way it is she likes it as a farm she wants to keep that but depending on the finances, it's hard to say, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's, uh, this is an amazing piece of property, an amazing piece of property. We'll make sure we get the details on that and add them to the show notes. Um, where can folks find you guys at the market? We're in uh, Murray Park on Saturdays from 8 until 1, right in the middle, dead center. And where's the link to Solstice Spices? Uh, solstispices.com solstispices.com or facebook solstice spices solstice spices thanks so much tony thanks for thanks for taking the time i know you're planting plants here it's the cool of the evening you're making hay while the cool weather is and uh, getting ready for fall and i really appreciate you taking the time to talk let's hope we can get some folks behind the petition and uh, stop this thing of uh, taxes going up over here all right, my pleasure. Anytime. Thanks. Yep. Aldine Strychnine out in the field at Solstice Spice Farms, and before he left, property owner Bonnie Cavill stopped by to say hello. This is, this is Bonnie here with us, and Bonnie, tell us a little bit about the farm and your grandpa here. Well, he bought it in 1910. They lived up on the avenues and uh, had a wonderful family all around the avenues. He brought my dad and his brother and sister and his mother out on a Christmas Eve. It was snowing and the kids were thrilled. There were trees to climb and a barn for animals and water what, to walk in. What was he growing and what kind of animals did he was he did he have well, here? He, he was just arriving at that point. Uh-huh. But uh, after the years, through the years, what did he grow? Uh, during the years we had sheep and we had horses in in the in the area where Tony's now farming. Uh-huh. And any food? Did he grow any food? 
we've we grew food for ourselves uh-huh. we had we have our fruit trees still have our fruit trees my mom was the gardener she did the flowers my dad was the farmer he did the crops he did corn he did the usual whatever we ate and so you're you've perpetuated the growing thing here by letting tony come this means something to you absolutely uh i promised my dad we'd keep it green uh it's a lot to keep green by yourself and when they wanted two acres to keep green with me i was all for it (laughs) and all the water here and the the pond and boy this place is tucked in behind a 7-eleven in the middle of town we knew it would be commercial we can't help it but we just decided to keep keep it green keep it calm keep it peaceful we like when people come to leave their problems at the gate come on in just breathe deeply and enjoy so there's some tax things going on well originally the concept of urban farming with this bill was to provide and encourage the production of local farm crops food crops. We had to have two acres, we had to have our own water, and they provided us with farmers who would farm but had to sell at least 50% of their crops locally, which they've been doing for six years. Yes, they have. In return for that, I did get a tax break. Over those years, the the two-acre requirement went down to one acre, and there were quite a few people who had a horse or a couple of goats or whatever and they really liked the idea of having a tax break for their one acre and their goats Mm -hmm. so they wanted to add grazing to urban farming so some of this land's going to go towards that and maybe disappear towards that mine isn't oh that's good (laughs) (laughs) but uh the concept is that uh the uh the tax break at the very last, at the very end of the last legislature, uh, they slid in the grazing. And Salt Lake County said, we really don't want grazing here, so we'll just opt out of the urban farming totally, which meant that my taxes would then go up about $5,000 a year. Wow. And uh, so I went down to the county and we had a big powwow and they were very, um, very much wanted us to keep doing what we were doing but they were not sure, they're, they're willing to go back to the legislature and say, hey, the whole idea of this thing in the first place was to grow food right. and grow it here. And so they're, they're heading in that direction. We're just asking, we're gonna head in the direction of, if anything else, could we have, could we have those of us who are still doing this and want to do this be grandfathered? Uh-huh. And, and, and keep it as a, like an easement or something that doesn't go away. Is that exactly. what you mean? Exactly. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Exactly. It would probably require an ordinance from the county. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so we're calling on folks to sign this petition and do what we can to get folks in the community behind changing this, uh, this, this tax stuff that's coming That's on. exactly right. The county suggested that we try two routes. We try... They try going back to the legislature. We try going this route. And uh, so we are to write a letter to the county assessor and request it and tell him why and why we think it's a great idea for the county to have a place that keeps it greener and the, and the temperature lower and the air clearer, a place for critters to nest and uh, a place to grow food. 
very good very good dear thank you so much thanks for all you've done to keep the good food coming here <laughs> throughout the years and keep these guys going here well, on the do, farm they're doing the hard work <laughs> <laughs> and that's another urban farm report with the folks from solstice spice laura All right, check the show notes. We'll have links to Solstice Spice as well as that change.org petition that Al and the folks were talking about. So, Al, if uh, anybody else is ready to have you over and tour their urban farm or their backyard project, how do they get in touch? Punkrockfarmer23 at gmail.com, or you can find me on Facebook under Punk Rock Farmer. Okay, one more song to close the show from Josalie. Um, Josalie, tell us where folks can find you and where they can get your music at. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on all streaming services uh, under my name, Josalie Paulette. And uh, right now, most of the the physical copies of the record have actually almost sold out um, over the last year of the pandemic. So we were selling them at Lavender Vinyl, at Diabolical, at Graywell. There might be a couple copies out there, I think specifically at Lavender Vinyl up in Ogden, but we're, we're pr- pretty close to running out of those. Um, I'm hopeful we can press more in the next you know, a couple of years, but <laughs> right now it's it's kind of a uh, hard hard to get vinyl made these days. But you can still get them on my Bandcamp, uh, which is probably the best way to support me and find find the music. Any live shows coming up? Yes. So outside of the St. Vincent show on the 18th of this month, um, I'm actually playing this Saturday at Kilby Court. I get to open for another local legend, Drew Danbury. He's releasing his uh, second album under Icarus Phoenix, uh, also playing his teleprom. So that will be a really wonderful show. And then uh, September 25th, I'll be opening for Esme Patterson at Urban Lounge, which is another exciting show. I feel like somehow in September, I'm getting to open for all these people that I really admire. I don't, I don't know how it happened, but I'm excited about it. And then there will be uh, a few more shows in October at Kilby. Um, I'm playing the third with Emily Brown and then the 14th with uh, Rachel Jenkins and Nicole Kanan. It sounds great. It sounds like you're in a really great spot right now. Yeah, just hoping uh, hoping COVID allows us to keep playing safe shows and take care of each other and, and continue to enjoy live music together because we really missed it. <laughs> This next one is No Man is an Island, and you can hear it live when Josely opens for St. Vincent, I'm guessing, next weekend. Have a great gig, Josely. Thank you so much. It's Josely Paulette, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM. Ocean 
Isn't.